we're in a new series. We started last week, and uh, it's called Keep Fighting. And so we're in part two. And really, you know, the, if we had to title today's message, it would be A Fight for Your Purpose. And, you know, it's, it's a series that deals with spiritual warfare. We know in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief, the devil, comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But we know Jesus says, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. The enemy always perverts what God is wanting to do. And he's been doing it forever and he'll continue to do it. And, and you know, when you think about the tactics of the enemy, they're the same over and over again in your life and the life of the people around you from generation to generation. His tactics haven't changed. And sometimes we're in a delusion, unable to see his tactics. And that's why we sit under the word of God. And that's why we worship God, because in the presence of God and through the word of God, God exposes the plans of the enemy in our life. And when he does that, we're able to draw near to God and resist the devil. And the Bible says he'll flee from us. And so that's exciting. You know, last week we talked a lot about identity, right? We, we said that one of the enemy's tactics is to confuse our identity with our function. You know, when we say identity, it really means who am I as a person? Who am I? And, and a lot of times we are who am I is tied up into what I do, which is our function. And we know the enemy tries to hijack that and uh, leave us tail spinning, if you would, thinking that our function is really our identity. And it's, it's the kingdom of the world that produces this mindset. And we've got a little uh, image there for you. So the, the kingdom of the world says my function is, greater, is, is basically greater and, and determines my purpose, which then determines my identity. So it starts with function, what I do, and uh, so it, 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 that's not the way it works in the kingdom of God, because in the kingdom of God, it says our identity determines our purpose that then shapes our function. And so we always want to start with identity, who I am. And we know that our identity is found in Christ and him alone. It's not anything that we can do. It's nothing that we can accomplish. It's, no, it's nothing that we can put on. There, there's, there's nothing we can do. To, to earn that, if you would. And that's an important component when it comes to identity because all throughout life, people fall into the trap of an identity crisis. They really do, and, and, and they, 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 they fall in the trap of identity crisis when their idea doesn't go on the, sh on, the, on the drawing board, right? They go into an identity crisis when they change from one season to the next. They go to an identity when they lose a title or even gain a title. And you know, the old saying, anytime you talk to somebody that you've never met before, typically the first question that they ask is, what do you do for a living? Anybody ever experienced that? What do you do? Versus who are you and where, you, where are you from, you know what I mean? Everybody's concerned with what you, what, what you do. And it's not our function that determines our purpose, it's our identity that determines our purpose. And it's important to know that purpose flows from identity. Purpose flows from identity. And, and, I, and, I, and I think... 
When we know our identity, it flows into our purpose and we become people who are secure in who we are versus insecure in what we do. Did you know that insecurity is one of the major tactics of the enemy? It's a big deal. Think about that with me for just a moment. How many times you worry about or think about what people think about you or what they don't think about you? What they think about you on the job or what you're doing or what you're not doing or your, your status, if you would, or your economic uh, income or where you live or what you wear or what you put on or who you like or who you hang out with. And I know that sounds so simple and I, and I, and I know it, it is, but we fight insecurity, everybody. And I think that insecurity is a breeding ground for offense. Look, I, I'll tell you a story. You know, there was a new convert who came into the church about 20 years ago, and he was in my group. And uh, I loved this guy, you know what I mean? I, I loved all the guys equal that were in my group at that time. You know, I have no favorites, you know? That's just not the way my brain's wired. And uh, so they're, they're all the same. And um, this was a new convert, and he was really growing in Christ. His life was being transformed. He was, he was integrating into the church. And um, I, I remember one Sunday morning, and I came into the church, and he cornered me in, in one of the lobbies, and he said, hey, Casey. Um, I wasn't a pastor at that time. Uh, he said, hey, Casey, I want to let you know that uh, I'm leaving the church. I was like, okay, you know? I mean, yeah. Is there something wrong? You know, he's, and, and he said, well, I started noticing the last couple weeks uh, when you were high-fiving the guys in the group, I felt like you didn't have eye contact with me as long as you had eye contact with the other guys. And I said, oh, man. I was like, I didn't know, I, I wasn't timing it, I'm sorry. Um, and he said, yeah, I, mean, I knew then that really, you, you, you really had something against me and you, you just probably just thought lesser of me. And I, literally tears welled up in my eyes and I said, I love you. And I hugged him and that was the last time I ever saw him. And in insecurity, you might say, well, that's a huge contrast. I see it happening in group lives. I, I see it happening on teams. I see it happening in families. I see it happening on the job. And it's when, we, it, it, it's when our function begins to hijack our identity. But when we know who we are, then we're gonna walk calmly. We're not gonna be affected by the thoughts of people in a negative way. We're gonna be able to minister to people. We're gonna be able to help stabilize people. And we're not gonna be moved to the left or to the right by drama. Come on, everybody. But we're gonna be like a tree that's planted by the waters of the word whose leaf never turns brown, that bears fruit in season and out of season for the glory of God because my identity is found in Christ. So that's, that's why we wanna talk about identity and purpose. Purpose flows from identity. And you know, we've been using a gentleman in our church by the name of John he actually goes to our Ocean Springs location. I've known John since he's come into the church for the very first time. 
I don't remember if he came into the church before this building existed. I, my, my memory is not that great. I'm only, I'm, you know, 46 years old, and my wife, we were on the way to church today, and I had reading glasses, glasses in the little cubby of the car. She said, I hope we're not becoming like your parents, leaving reading glasses all over South Mississippi. <laughs> Thus, my memory may be getting shabby. Yeah, I need to start doing crossword puzzles like my grandmother did. <laughs> Keep the mind sharp. Anyways, I don't remember when John actually came to the church for the first time, but what I do remember is when the man got saved, we used to kind of come to the front of the building, you know what I mean? We are a little more expressive back then and uh, moved around a little bit more, not as reserved. And John, let me tell you something, he had a dance that nobody could miss. And I'm not going to mirror that dance, don't worry. But let's hear from John. And I gave my life to Christ and uh, God did a, just a miraculous work in my life. He healed me and he, he cleaned me from those demonic spirits that had tortured me for years. And I started serving in the church. I met my wife. Uh, we started serving together and, and things were going pretty good. I was still dealing with some of the depression, but I was I was relying on God. I was I would worship God. His grace was sufficient, as the word says. And about 2012 uh, I was in a severe, severe accident, very traumatic. At first, initially, I was okay. But then, because of the nature of the trauma, I had this dark cloud come over me. And it, it was an extreme fear of death. Every day when I woke up, I felt fear, like I was gonna die. And the anxiety and the depression come back, and it was worse. In the Bible, it talks about when a man is cleaned of an un unclean spirit, it goes out and can't find rest, so it comes back. And when it comes back, the house is swept. And then it goes back out and gets seven more spirits, more evil than it, and dwells in that house. And the man's worse off than before. And I lived that scripture. I was worse off than before. This went on for about six years. I'd, I'd made a decision and that I was either gonna leave home and start a new life or I was gonna take my life. And I was really leaning on the ladder to take my life. And I was still coming to church, but I was, I was just going through the motions. But I did reach out to a friend, and he's also my pastor now, uh, Pastor Stephen DeFazio. I reached out to him and just told him what was going on. And he had compassion for me, and he listened to me, and he prayed with me, and he gave me hope to keep fighting. And one day, another man that's been really pivotal in my life, Curtis Gillum, he was leading up the team, and uh, he said, hey, John, how you doing? And I just replied with a canned answer, and I said, oh, I'm doing good, man. And he stops, and he looks at me very seriously, and he goes, he said, no, really, how are you doing? And that shook me. And I knew that was God saying, I see you. And then I was actually in another pretty serious accident at my job that left me hospitalized. And I was laying in the hospital bed 
And I spoke to God, and I hadn't spoke to God in quite a while. And I told God, I said, I get it, God, I deserve this. I, I deserve to, to be here in this hospital bed. And uh, later on that night, I received a text from a dear friend of mine who I knew was a woman who, who seeks the Lord regularly. She didn't know what I said to God, but she texted me and the text simply said, this didn't happen because you deserved it. <laughs> and right there, that response, I knew God was real and God loved me. And he wanted to, to see better for me. So I began to fight again. I began to fight for my life and for my faith. And I started to seek God again. And uh, I was still struggling. I was still dealing with the anxiety. And we're, we were going through COVID then. So my anxiety was heightened even more because of everything that was being said. I was already de dealing with the severe anxiety. But during COVID, I also turned 40 that year. And I decided I wanted to learn to play an instrument for, for the first time. And so I did, I started learning how to play the bass and uh, got a message from Pastor Jordan Dakota one day. He said, you ever thought about trying out for the worship team? And I was like, man, that'd be awesome. I was like, I don't think I'm ready for that. And he said, well, you send me some video. And I, so I sent him a video of me playing. He's like, man, you should audition. And uh, I said, all right. So I did and I filled out the form and auditioned and I passed the audition for the Infuse and started training. But I, as I started doing that, I just really started to press into worshiping God. I'd all, Before, I'd always worshiped God musically. And uh, I started really just pressing in and focusing on worshiping God. And as I worshiped, the next thing you knew, the fear was gone. The anxiety was gone. Like it, it was, I was miraculously healed. Uh, there's no other way to explain it. Like I literally just woke up and I had complete peace and I have complete peace to this day. Uh, God healed me. I'm not scared to die. I'm very confident in my faith and in my salvation. And God started to restore everything that the devil had stole from me. And, you know, I went to my children and my wife and I asked them to forgive me. And they started seeing the change in me. And now I'm serving on the worship team with my son, my wife, and my daughter is serving uh, at the OS campus. So God, started restoring all those things. He tried to, you know, the enemy tried to take me out of my family. I think he would have liked nothing more than me to kill myself, but God had a plan. When you see me worship on stage, just know that I'm worshiping from a place of deliverance and dependence on God. Wow, man, Whew. that's why we do what we do. 
That's why we continue to do what we do as a church. You know, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers in the unseen realm. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and casting down everything that would exalt itself above the knowledge of God, above the spirit of God, and above the supremacy of Christ. And that's our purpose. You know, when you think about purpose, you know, we do have a definition. And it says the object toward which one strives or for which something exists, an aim or a goal. Or in other words, your purpose is why you exist. And I think we were hearing about John's purpose, why he exists, which is worship. Side note, if you're struggling in here today and you find yourself wrestling like John, sometimes people feel like God is cursing them Sometimes people, when they get into a tight spot and they're receiving blow after blow, they, have, they, 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 they fall into a trap and they listen to a voice that says, God is not for you. God is, is, is against you and that you're cursed and that your life is worth this and you'll never be on top, you'll always be on bottom. And the enemy wants you to believe that lie. But favor from God is this. In the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your wrestling, in the midst of your dark places, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll always be there with you. And because of that, you can have peace. That's favor. That's favor. Well, come on, let's give it up for Jesus. That's favor. Don't believe that lie. We'll have those seasons. But when you think about purpose, I want you to ask yourself this question here with me today. Why do I exist? Why do I exist? You know, after hearing the testimony of John, after hearing the, some of the word of God already this morning, after being in, the, in the, the, the worship time with everybody, it's really hard to give our normal answer or the answer the world would give, which would be you know individual fulfillment, personal achievement, goals, come on somebody, desires and dreams and the things that I can accomplish here on planet Earth. We always say this, hey, there's nothing wrong with goals. We're not, obviously we're not, uh, putting a, a, a taboo on being a goal setter or a dreamer or anything like that. It's the core motivation that we have to examine. The psalmist said this, he said, search me, O Lord, and know my ways and let me know essentially if there is any wickedness within me. Search my heart, O God. You know, Without the presence of God and the spirit of God and the word of God, there is a way that seems right to a man and a woman, but Proverbs says the result is death, the result is spiritual death, the result is darkness, and, and the, the, the kingdom of the world says our purpose is to glorify self, self-exaltation, 
And by the way, the opposite of that is not self-mutilation. Uh, just because we're a Christian does, look, Jesus loves us, and so we're to steward ourselves under the power of the Holy Spirit. We're, you know what I mean? We're not to curse ourselves. However, self-exaltation is never the will of God for us. But the world will always put that down the pipeline. Think about it for you today, you Christ followers in here today. Do you struggle with that at times? Absolutely. Absolutely, you struggle with glorifying yourself. You struggle with talking about yourself, right? You struggle with your identity. You struggle with those things. I think they're like temptations that try to get us distracted, right? That was a distraction, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right when I said distract, no, it's okay, we love you. It was like a distraction, yeah. It's okay. We, yeah, she, yeah. I wish I could make that noise right now and just hang out. <laughs> I did, I did. So, yeah, we like to do our services like this, by the way, if you're watching online. I mean, uh, we try not to be polished, you know what I mean? Because we're not polished people, we're regular people. And, uh, but we struggle with self-exaltation. We, we struggle with, with, with the, the, the self-fulfillment strategy, if you would, the gratifying of our sinful nature. We know that's the lifestyle we once lived and that we know it's the lifestyle that we're tempted in. I'm gonna read Ephesians to you just as a remembrance. It's not on the screens, but Ephesians chapter two, verse one says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, this cosmos, if you would, this system of thinking, this system of living. It says you once followed that system, following the prince of the power of the air, the, this, the, the demonic force, the dark, the demons, if you would, the devil, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, watch this, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That spirit was in work, it, it was working in us when we walked this way. A lot of people don't realize that that spirit was at work in us, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. This was the counterfeit purpose that was designed to destroy you. Do you know that? It's a counterfeit purpose. Its goal was to destroy you and it resulted in a life of sin that leads to many, many issues. We say this a lot here at Northwood. We say, you know, we wanna do everything for God's glory, but on the other side, it's for our good. There's holistic ramifications to living for God. We don't live for God for those ramifications or for those benefits. And by the way, just because we decide to follow Jesus doesn't mean things are gonna get easier. As a matter of fact, things can get harder. And when we think about the counterfeit, and when we think about that lifestyle, the goal, again, is spiritual death and physical death. 
And so our system, the kingdom system, is different than the world's system. One verse of scripture says this, that we, we are just pilgrims passing through, one translation talks about. We're, we're just passing through this world system. We're just passing through this life. And our life is short, everybody. Listen to me. Your life's short. Right? Proverbs says it's but a vapor. One day it's here and the next day it's gone. And nobody's promised tomorrow. Now, this is not a fear message. This is a factual message. It's a sobering thought. Nobody's promised tomorrow. You, you, you know, you know the, the guys in the Bible, they said, hey, we're gonna go here and we're gonna go there and we're gonna do this and we're gonna climb that mountain and we're gonna accomplish this goal and we're gonna conquer this destiny and, and we're gonna build this and we're gonna build that. But, but, but wait, wait a second, I'm not promised tomorrow. Yet your kingdom be done today, your will be done today, Lord, as, as, as in heaven as it is on earth right now, in me, in my life. So yeah, think about the future, but start with eternity. Start with the end in mind. And I think Matthew chapter 16, verse 26 kind of gives us that picture. It says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Keeping the end in mind. Walking out your salvation with fear and trembling before an ever-loving and ever-holy God. Basically, fear and trembling means walking out your salvation sober. I'm not just talking about from intoxication. Spiritually sober. Be sober and vigilant for the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, the Bible says, seeking whom he can devour. And when we walk out our salvation with fear and trembling, it's walking with a limp. Essentially, it's walking saying, I'm totally dependent upon, John just said it, I'm totally dependent upon you, God, that without you, I'm nothing, I can accomplish nothing, but with you, I can be fruitful for your glory. I'm gonna walk with a limp, which is a sign of humility and a sign of trust. And I think we need that check in our life from time to time. What is it if someone achieves all the success, and we should be successful, again, it's not a poverty message, it's not a prosperity message. It's a word message. But what, what if it, what is good if someone achieves all the success and wealth and power in the world, but loses their soul in the process? Self-fulfillment is really a worship problem. It's self-worship, right? So you got self-fulfillment, self it, it equates to self-worship, and self-worship is the reward. Self is the reward. How many of you, you want that reward? Jesus said, your reward is with me. I don't know about you, but when I looked in the mirror this morning, and again, I know I'm a good-looking guy, but when I looked in the mirror this morning, I was like, is this is my reward? I don't want any of it. My wife concurred. That's why I put a suit jacket on, you know what I mean? we live for a counterfeit purpose, there's no eternal reward. Where's the glory? I think about the 
the sons who worked in the temple in the Old Testament, they begin to live for self and Israel fell and the prophet came and said, where's the glory of Israel? Where's the glory of the church? The fight for our purpose is a fight for our worship. And we have to fight this every day. Come on, everybody. I mean, look, think about it practically. Things are always drawing at our attention and want our focus and wants us to be fixated on certain things and, 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 and lured away by other things and distracted versus focusing in on our purpose, which is worship, right? Which is a lifestyle of worship. The fight for our purpose is a fight for worship. I think it's in Revelations, Jesus, God said, Jesus, he said, I'm a jealous God in all-consuming fire, and I desire all men, all places, to lift up holy hands and to worship with me. It's your reasonable service. I love that because what that does is it because if I'm, if I'm living a lifestyle of worship, if, if my life is a picture of worship, if I'm a living epistle, if I'm an altar, if you would, right? It's only my reasonable service. I'm nothing special. If somebody talks a whole lot to you in the name of Jesus about how special they are and how many great things they're doing for God, I want you just to smile and say, that's nice. <laughs> and remember this message. We're nothing, he's everything. It's our reasonable service, it's our reasonable response for what Christ has done is worship. It's our response to what he's done, it's our response to the fulfillment he paid is worship. And there's a fight for our worship. And when we think about purpose, in the kingdom of God our purpose ultimately is to glorify God. That's our purpose. So if you're looking for purpose today, go no further. Your purpose is to glorify God, period. To be light bearers, to be image bearers of Jesus is our purpose. To glorify God in everything that we do, every act, every word, every deed. You know, a lot of times, you know, the, out, the outside of us looks real nice but it's the inside that needs work. I think about the, the, the uh, Pharisees who came to, um, who they come to? John the Baptist to be baptized. And he said, he, you know, John was the greatest prophet that ever lived. And he said, who'd you come out here to see? A weed shaking in the wind or a reed in the wind, basically? Weed in the wind, reed in the wind. Um, and he called them whitewashed tombs. That's pretty, I like that guy. You know what I mean? Some, some people in the Bible were able to get, 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 get away with certain things, but um, he said, you, you, you clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is filthy. How many of you know that glorification of God starts on the inside, not the outside? 
but it starts with a relationship with Jesus. It starts when you submit your life to God and then having the transformation of the power of the Spirit to do a work in you It has nothing to do with anything that's going on on the outside. That follows, right? That function follows. It's glorifying God on the inside. I want you to think about your thought life here just for a moment. Yeah, just let's have a little moment here meditating. Close your eyes real quick. What is your thought life? I want you to think about that. What's your thought life look like? What are those things in your life that you're entertaining that no one else can see? What's happening on the inner man and the inner woman? That's why the the scripture says, let the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. And you say, well, man, my, my algorithm, my, my patterns, haven't, I don't think they're pleasing to the Lord. Here's what we say. Lord, let the meditation of my heart, oh God, be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, would you show us the way we should go. God, would you show us what we should meditate on? God, would you show us what we should worship with our mind and our emotions? That's a good prayer to pray. Westminster in the Shorter Catechism says this, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's exciting. You know, the Holy Spirit has a way to minister to us as people, to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit, meaning he's able to work in your life a lot deeper and a lot further than someone else can work. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need each other and we don't pray for each other, but it means it's a beautiful picture of common union with God through the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within you when you've given your life to Christ. And the Holy Spirit is to magnify Christ in your life and, and, and to show you the way of everlasting even into your thought life. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, to glorify God. I love this little passage of scripture in the life of Christ. I'm going to read it to you. And just listen, and it's out of John chapter 4, and Jesus was talking to his disciples And uh, essentially, they were hungry. They've been doing ministry all day. Literally, they have hunger pains. You know what I'm talking about? Look, when we get hungry, I don't know about three o'clock if I don't eat throughout the day. I'm like this. My wife is like clockwork. At 12 o'clock, we're eating. That's why I'm gaining so much weight. But anyways, at 12 o'clock, we're eating. You know, we're going to do this for breakfast. Then we're going to have a little snack. And then we're going to eat dinner and da-da-da-da. I'm like, man, you're wearing me out. 
But me, I'll just work, 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 lift up my head. It's like four o'clock in the afternoon and all of a sudden I'll start becoming a little bit more sharper, a little bit more intense. You know what I mean? A little bit of sweaty palms at that traffic light. I'm in a hurry. You know, I did jujitsu and I wrestled in high school, so, you know, I'm ready to lock up if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so this is where his disciples were. Don't, don't bring somebody else up here to pray. I'm tired and I'm hungry. Here's Jesus teaching them something very important. Listen to me. But Jesus said to his disciples, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Think about that. When you think about food, it's a sustainer. We know if we don't eat, we'll die, right? It's the unfortunate part on planet Earth. Hopefully we won't have to eat in heaven anyways. We know, we, but think about, he said, I have a food that you don't know about, something that's able to sustain me, something that's able to nourish me. Here's what he said. So the disciples said to one another, has anybody brought him something to eat? I love the disciples. He's like, I have food you haven't heard of. I mean, imagine Jesus just for a moment in here looking into your eyes and gazing into your face, knowing that you're hungry. And, and he says, Peter, or he says, John, or, or he says, hey, I know that you're hungry, but I have food you don't know about. He's like, man, has he got a snack in his back pocket or something? <laughs> Like, who gave that guy a lar bar before he got up there? <laughs> got a protein pellet or something? Yeah, we're like this, guys, aren't we? And here's what he said. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. How would you like that for a six o'clock dinner, quote, <laughs> when you get home hungry? Baby, we got to feed the kids. My food <laughs> is to do the will of him who sent me. Anyways, we're having fun. Jesus indicated that he had a source that they didn't have. It was fulfilling God's purpose. It was glorifying God. Well, that's powerful. God sustains you when you do that. When you think about how you glorify God, I love 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You know, when we think about it, you know, we can even get trapped, man. When I'm thinking about doing something for the glory of God, you're like, man, the, you know, this guy is because he's preaching. I don't know about that, right? This guy is because he's praying. No, he said, whenever you do, all that you do, no matter what you do, do it for the glory of God. I, you know, I could be up here preaching for the glory of myself, not the glory of God, so this means nothing. Nothing. 
Whatever you do, do the glory of God. Look, Matthew chapter five says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I love that passage of scripture because, man, it says, let them see your good works so that they can glorify your Father in heaven. Did you know that that's a great sign when you're doing some great things on planet Earth, when you're doing some great things for God, that people don't glorify you, they glorify God. You know what I mean? Wow. Giving God all the credit, essentially, we aim to glorify God by living in a way that pleases him. It's our total aim, it is our purpose. We ain't even talking about our function, what we do. We're saying who we are, our identity, flows into our purpose. I'm here to glorify God. While I'm here on the planet, that's what I'm doing. 2 Corinthians chapter five says this, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That word aim essentially is our focal point. That's in our crosshairs. That is our aim, to please him, to please the one who called us. And here's how we're gonna do it out of Colossians. It says this, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Basically, we're being realigned and aligned to the word of God to the, to the will of God, and this will never end. We'll continually do that until the day of our death. I remember a couple guys that we work with from time to time in, in a network, and they said they went and inter, interviewed Billy Graham on some of his last days on earth. Now again, you know, I'm not exalting Billy Graham, but I'm, I'm, here's what I'm saying. So they, they, they were meeting with him, and he was slow to speak, and the family knew he was going to die, and it was just a matter of time, and so there were certain slots in his week, in his last days, where he would allow pastors to come in to his house and whatnot. And so these group of pastors went in there, and man, they had their notebook out, essentially, right? You know what I mean? They, they, they were leaning in. And they were asking him ministerial questions and maybe method, methodology type questions. And he, they, they told the story, he didn't really answer their questions. But what he did say is he's like, I hope that I'm pleasing to the Lord right now in the way that I'm dying, essentially. Wow. There will be time after time in our lifetime where we realign ourselves to God's will, where we hear the soft voice of the Holy Spirit that says there's a better way than the way you're going. The fight for our purpose is again a fight for our worship. And that's why it's so important that we not forsake the gathering together as many are in the habit of doing but as we come together like this, it's a sacred space. There's nothing special about the building. There's nothing special about the preacher. There's really nothing special about anyone in here. What's special is Jesus.
and his ability to reach to the uttermost those who he's calling and to go again where no man can go, where no word can go, to say, come to me all who are heavy laden and all who are burned out with religion and I'll give you rest and you'll take my yoke upon yourself and it'll be easy and it'll be light and you'll know who you are and you'll know why you exist and you'll exist to worship him.